a listener production. Okay, are you recording? Howdy. Welcome along to episode 81 of the Howie Games Part A. Thanks for tuning in. Love your work. This week's episode is like none the show has recorded before. It features leg-spinning legend Farwad Ahmed. Gotcha! And that is the end of Luke Wright. He held up on him a bit, just spooned the most simple of catches back to Ahmed. Farwad Ahmed is a wonderful man with a truly remarkable story. He was born in Pakistan and always dreamed of playing cricket for them. However, that story unfortunately was never meant to be. Farwad leaving his homeland fearing for his life. Arriving in Australia, Fuzz had his cricket dream, but precious little else. Seeking asylum, Farwood went through all manner of highs and lows, including in a 10-month period where he went from playing cricket for Hoppers Crossing, a suburban team in Melbourne's west, to playing for Australia. Mystery, what is to be? So much more than meets the eye. Listen to me, time is your key. Find out by and by. Fuzz's story, well, pretty much defies belief. It was a privilege to hear him tell it and made me really think about various issues Australia grapples with. Enjoy the life and times of Farwood Army. So when you search and then you find And know just where to go And thoughts that once used to cloud your mind You see clearly and now you know Mystery, what is to be Revealed in King Selassie I Come on, children, try it with me. We want to reach Mount Zionai. Farward Ahmed, welcome to the Howie Games. How are you, great man? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's great to have you on. We've um, we've spoke on various cricket grounds around the country about organising this, and it finally happens. I really appreciate your time, mate. No worries, my pleasure. Is it the Farwood or Fuzz or Fuzzy? What are we going with here? I don't mind. I Anything, think Fuzz. Yeah, Fuzz good. Yeah, just I think Fuzz. It's related to cricket. So I think Fuzz exactly. Yeah, I love you've, it, yeah. you've just come. Um, your typical day now. You've just come. Tell me about your day today. You've come earlier on this morning from the Junction Oval. Yeah, I came from overseas, so I'm a bit jet lagged. So I woke up like 4 a.m. Right. And pray morning prayer around 6 a.m. And then been awake, went to junction, ball a little bit, run, and went for Friday prayers and straight here to your studio. So I'm excited to have you here. Where have you been overseas? Uh, I went to PSL, right. uh, then stayed a little bit for, with my family and just a little bit have, had a time off. So uh, it was a busy, very busy year for me. A lot of traveling, a lot of cricket as well. Yeah. So I thought let's have some time off and now I'm back and uh, kicking off myself and hopefully we'll be on the track soon and uh, need to get fit and getting older, but <laughs> yeah, gracefully with the time. So, How are the leggies uh, coming out at the moment? Yeah, it's easier thanks to T20 cricket. So yeah. I would have been done uh, a while ago, but T20 cricket make it easier for us. It's only four overs, so I keep moving myself. Actually, um, last year was pretty good. Uh, I was in a my body was really good. My skin photo, I think the best I, I have ever had in my whole life. Okay. And uh, my 2K time trial was pretty good as well. So, How long for your 2K time trial? Uh, my best is 7.40. 7.40? Yeah, so pretty good for good. For, for old man. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you mentioned a couple of things that I want to ask you about straight away. You, as you say, if you were playing cricket 10 years ago, your career would be done. But that is – it's a very different um, – game these days cricket just for our listeners that wouldn't understand tell us the teams you played for 
and where you played cricket last year in 2018. So 2018 would have started for you with a big bash in the Sydney Thunder. Yeah. Where else did you go last year? Well, I played Victoria, obviously, yep. uh, one day and four day cricket and then Shield cricket and then played Sydney Thunder. And then I went to play um, Canada. It's called Global T20. And uh, luckily, I end up on the winning side. So, so you won that. So what's yeah. it like cricketing Canada? It was pretty good, actually. Yep. Actually, uh, S- Steve Smith played, Debbie Warner played and... Uh, Chris Gale, Andre Russell, so a lot of big names. Peter Sira was there, Tim Saudi was there in our team. So all the Caribbean players, there was like a, I think there was something with Caribbean board as well, the right. Windies board. And there was second 11 of uh, West Indies cricket as well. And what type so, of grounds are they in Canada? What are you uh, playing on? The facilities weren't that great, but... I think club level ground, uh, maybe like a VTCA, okay, yeah, like this. Not even like a great cricket ground. So you won but in you won in Canada. Yeah, Vancouver Knights. I played for Vancouver Knights. Chris <laughs> Gale was captain, so we have we have really a good side. So who was captain? Chris Gale. What's he like as a captain? I was a good man. Was he good man? Yeah, he really supported me there. So it was pretty good. But the wicket was really good. It was like a I played on the wicket after a long time where it was like a spinning mile. Oh, so I really enjoyed it, yeah. So that was a actually a good start for me because I was out of contract from Cricket Victoria and I was struggling a little bit. So I have had a time off and I thought, what I'm going to do? And then I got a call from um, <clears throat> TKR, uh, Trent Bago Night Riders in the CPL. Caribbean Premier League? Yeah, and they says, we need you as a replacement for Shadab Khan. Shadab Khan wasn't available. So I said... Oh, I'm happy. I'm going to be, I just want to play. Yep. I didn't even ask for money or anything. So, huh. and I I have had a good preparation in Canada for that. And then I went straight to Caribbean after Canada and then, yeah, and finished on the winning side again with TKR. And the most wickets in the competition, don't be modest. Yeah, second most wicket in the Canada and most wickets in Caribbean. And did you love playing cricket in the Caribbean? Yeah, it was great. It yeah. uh, was my second tour, but the first time I played proper cricket there and good fun, great fun. Uh, the atmosphere was amazing, especially at Queen's Park where we played Trinidad. Mm. That was our home. So, yeah, the crowd was amazing. Um, every game was sold out. Uh, a lot of passion for cricket. Uh, people loved it. Um, I think it, it's, it's pretty good competition. And so from the Caribbean Premier League, you came back to Australia? Yeah, straight back home, uh, Melbourne and join um victorian team for yep. jlt cup played last four five games and mm-hmm. yeah finish on the winning side again so again another <laughs> yeah. victory for you yeah another victory for me so it was it was amazing yeah um played few shield games as well uh was pretty good i bowled really well both in the in the one day and shield cricket and then uh went to join the sydney thunder for big bash so and then to the pakistan super league yeah for the first time pakistan super league and again finished on the winning side with quite a gladiator so played with Waro, uh straight from sydney thunder to uh, gladiator together so we have had an amazing time so i bowled really well actually were there as well unfortunately had a bad injury in the in the playoff game, you I got, got hit in the face. Uh, got hit in the face. Jaw was jaw was fracture, teeth were broken, lip was ripped. But oh. yeah, it took pretty long. I'm still sore, and uh, the teeth are not good. But yeah, I'm still very grateful and thankful because um, there was not a like a major injury, eye or head or mm. nose or cheekbone. You know, so yeah, 
Oh, amazing, amazing year for me. Uh, different. I love Red Bull, Red Bull cricket, but uh, unfortunately, I have to give off because there was no place for me in the Victorian side. And I thought if I can make it to the World Cup squad, that uh, didn't happen. Uh, it is what it is, but I'm glad I'm playing some really good cricket around the world. And yeah, it's still fulfilling my dream and I'm really, really enjoying it. Your dream is a, uh, it's quite the story, Fuzz, which is why I've been trying to get Holdy to come on the show. So we go back to where you were first born, um, part of your remo- remarkable story. Where were, where were you born? Uh, the place called Swabi uh, is in the northwest of Pakistan, uh, not far from Islamabad, from the capital, uh, the, the province called like uh, KPK, and um, small town, but very, very lush green, um, very fertile. Cold uh, up there? So it's getting uh, up towards the mountains or not? Yeah, it's not. It's a bit far from there. We are very close to the mountain ranges, but... Mm-hmm. If you go further, like up for one hour drive, then very start very cold, like a snow and big mountains and yeah, like those Himalayas and the, the biggest tree ranges of the world, mountain ranges that they are meeting together hmm. there. So that's not far from there. So we are just at the bottom, but it's still lush green rivers there, jungles there, mountains there. It's beautiful. What, and it's what's, nice. What's the first thing you can remember, Faz, in your life? What's the first thing? Cast your mind back to, oh, that's the first thing I can actually remember. Well, it's just, I would say, the family environment there. Like uh, we are just like uh, uh, the whole world is global village, but the, the people live in the town is like a family. Everyone knows each other. Huh. So someone comes from outside, you straight away just pointed out, this, this, this guy's a stranger straight away so it's just like a family it's still a big town 30 to f- around 30 to 40,000 people lives there but you know everyone almost so that's the main thing so it's very very like a um, we we do everything together like a marriages or even the the death ceremony and all those things together so uh, any like occasion and if this on the on a good side or on the bad side we all together so um, uh, that, that's the main thing. And that's what, what you miss when you go to the uh, Western country, you know, because everyone's so isolated in this country. Uh, there are positive and negative everywhere. It doesn't matter if you live in the first world country or on the third world country, you know, and everywhere there are positive and there are negatives there where you're ever living. So there's something I really miss and there's something I really, like I would say, I remember as well. So your mum and dad and how many, uh, how big is your family, your actual family, your brothers and sisters? Yeah, my father passed away when I was only one year old and uh, I have a mum and two older brothers and, and a younger sister. So I'm sorry, to, I'm sorry to hear about your father. What, what so was your father doing prior? He was in Pakistan Army. Okay. So he was a soldier and um, yeah, Mm, was the death reason was like he passed away through like the heart attack so okay yeah so so what was your mum doing obviously to support a young family at that yeah, stage she she's a she's a great lady uh, <laughs> what's I hope her name she, uh, Rahat and I hope she she lives for long and for her and just for the um, like uh, for the, our happiness, for her happiness, I would I would really uh, pray for her for her long life. She was she was a brave uh, young girl, I would say. She was very young uh, when my father father passed away, and um, 
nothing. Uh, really, really hard because a uh, woman doesn't work there. Uh, she, she, she was just only went to school. She had like a primary education, wow. and uh, my pension from my from my father's like a job. Yes, and uh, we had like a, some land as well. So, like some. There was like a, some uh, income from there as well. So what did you what did you do on the land? Like just like a cultivation of different crops. Uh, I would say wheat and sugar cane, like those things. You know, so it's okay. very fertile land. So give it to someone like to do it for us. So something like that. So it was tough time, uh, early days, but she she kept us really together. Um, we we all. Uh, studied nicely. I have done my master degree. My sister done her PhD degree, and my brothers both they are bachelors. So we studied nicely. Uh, we we all together. Uh, typical um, like a Pakistani family. Mm-hmm. My brothers both married, but they still live with mom uh, in the same house. It's a big house. In the same house. In the same house. They got kids, but they still live with mom. So it must be difficult for you. Like you talked about the thing you missed is the family. That the family is so close. Whereas here, I guess you know my parents live in a state. I might see them twice a year, which I guess is the opposite of what you're talking about. Yeah, it it it, it is. Uh, um, it's hard, but now. I'm used to to this type of life. I, I lived alone for a long time. Mm-hmm. Now I've been living here for a long time. And uh, when I went back after a long time, like after seven years back home, and uh, when I left my home, my brother weren't married. And now then they have kids as well, mm. two, two kids, two each kids. And then I thought, oh, the family looks bigger now. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of like a noise of kids. And, you know, there's I love kids, but... And there was something different for me. A little bit, I would, I wouldn't say it's annoying, but uh, it took a little bit while to to get used to to it because I have been living for long here now, mm. and it's very quiet where I'm living here. Like uh, I live on on the Newport Williamstown side, and um, it's very quiet street as well. So uh, that was a a little bit difficult, but it was nice. Um, still, you miss, you know, the the family environment. You know, we we don't have privacy, but that's what we love. Um, it at one stage you have to leave, uh, you have to go, and you have your your own house. The 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 younger one stay at home, uh-huh. at mom and dad's home, and he look after mom and dad. But the older one have to go out because the the family is growing. You know, so when the kids are growing, they have to move out from the from the house and to build their own house and uh, it does work like that back home in Pakistan. So tell me about y- your early days before we get to cricket because it, it's such a different environment. I'm fascinated by it. Um, where are you going to school? How are you getting to school? What, what's you know what's a favorite dish that your mum's cooking when you're when you're a little boy growing up? What was life like in in northern Pakistan when you were seven, eight, nine, ten, Fuzz? Life was really beautiful. Uh, huh. We we live in like it's a there's they say it's a it's a golden area after I would say after Asia because it's very uh, very fertile. Like a, we have a lot of water. Uh, we have mountains. We have a beautiful like a all four season like Australia. Um, that's what we have. We're missing here in Australia. We have mountains. We have rivers. You know, the the land is very fertile, and the education 
is, is actually pretty good. Uh, wasn't that great when I was there in the schools, but it's, it's been really good now. And um, and very like uh, and the area was really good. We have a lot of schools and colleges, and now we have unis as well. So just like a normal kid going to school, and um, luckily I have two older brothers, so I was just looking up to them and actually was playing hockey in the school. Hockey? Uh, field hockey. So Pakistan was pretty good at that time. And where oh, I'm from, actually, hockey is really good over there. So there's a lot of good hockey, hockey players there. And we and it's easier to play hockey because you can play in a... You don't need a big ground, but mm. we can you can just make it smaller and you can just play hockey just doing practice. So in the school, there were, there was easier because we didn't have a massive ground like we have here in Australia. But And then... The, the reason was when I started playing cricket was uh, I was very young in primary school when Pakistan won the World Cup. I remember a little bit. At the MCG? At the MCG, yeah. So, 1992. Two, yeah. 1992. And, uh, Imran and Wazim and, and, and When I played my first game, I was disappeared. The whole, because we watched that grand final many, many, many times, you yep. know. And that was the first time when we watched like a proper color cricket you know i know the cricket was colorful for a long time from Kerry packers time but yeah to the world you know there was the first world cup in color kit whiteboard day night cricket can you remember watching well, it a little bit but we watch it again and On again replay. yeah the semi-final <laughs> was great against the new zealand yes. and, and that grand final was really nice as well was Akram coming from around the stump taking ellen lamb ellen and lamb. chris lewis yeah like those there was amazing memories. And then I remember when I was, uh, I, I do remember when I played first at the MCG against the English Lions uh, in 2012, I think. So in your first game for, for Victoria. Yeah, for Victoria against the English Lions. And yeah, it was just disappeared Yeah, in the at the G and when I was playing. And I bowled really well actually in that game as well. And uh, yeah, great memories. Then then where I start picking up cricket a little bit. Did, did you look around the MCG and you think, Wow, I'm I'm playing here, this place where I grew up watching this famous game of cricket. To be honest, every single time I'm going to MCG, I'm just keep loving it more and more <laughs> and every single time. <laughs> I'm just in love with that place. <laughs> it's people's talking about Lords or you know, there are beautiful SCG and, you know, historic stadiums and I said, no, MCG is something different for me. And I was lucky to call it my home ground as well, played for Victoria. Because of um, that Pakistan connection? No, just playing for Bush Ranger right. for Victorian team for a long time. So oh, I'm, I'm very I'm very grateful for that. So, so, uh, you, so sorry, you started to get into cricket then after that? Yeah, the but wo- I was still playing hockey. And the, the, the turning point was 1996 World Cup was in Pakistan. And Pakistan was defending champion, and the all the superstars gonna come. Shane one gonna come. We heard of Shane. I never saw Shane one before. <laughs> there is like a, a spinner. He's really good. He's coming to Pakistan to play. <laughs> and uh, the cricket grounds were far from me. I never been to like a to the cricket ground or cricket stadium to watch international never. cricket. Never in my whole life in Pakistan. So I did play. When I start playing, but I never been never been to any stadium to watch cricket. They wow. were pretty far from me, so yeah, there was a time. And uh, then I was in the high school at that time, and uh, I was getting closer to finish the school. And then I, but we still played with the tap tennis. So on the street, there was no cricket ground where I'm from. 
still we don't have any cricket ground so where i where i'm from so that was the there was the problem and we were playing on the streets and like a, when there was no crops in the uh on the field so we just make like a make it like a ground for one or two months and playing there or oh, just somewhere on the street so with a tape tennis ball the tape so, tennis ball oh, yeah so that's very famous cricket is easier actually we always uh, a leg spinner or as a young yeah, man no when i was younger we were doing everything but this when i start when the 1996 world cup finish i really tried to copy shane one like in the backyard with my with my brothers <laughs> and then uh, actually we played on the and the concrete yep so there was no spin until now I, i never seen any spinner with a tap tennis because it's really hard to spin the ball on the concrete mm. and the tennis ball is really hard to spin it but i was in the whole town i would say in the whole kpk or in the whole province i was the only spinner <laughs> and people just say oh you're going to get smashed all the time <laughs> but i was literally actually i was spinning the ball and people have never faced a spinner on the tape tennis so i was actually pretty successful at that time and i was then i start batting with it as well so i was pretty good in with the bat as well at that time just on that so far as you're playing a tape tennis ball cricket is that just like when we think tape tennis ball cricket it's in the backyard uh, with our friends is that just meeting up with your friends and playing or is there a, a competition competition a proper, competition yeah proper competition so what with the we, taped up tennis ball yeah so oh. like what we do um, um we both gonna organize a, like a, a competition so mm. we can ask Newport Williamstown Yarraville Pushcray those they have clubs so they have own clubs yep so they are like a small towns so Swabi is district uh-huh. and we have villages so we have suburbs here over there we have villages right so there is a district and then there's a sub district is called Tahsil and then there are villages the villages are quite big like a 50000 people lives in one village and there is like a union council there so every per village they have one team so maybe 30000 people but they have one really good team so i'm going to say i'm going to organize a competition are you happy to join the competition and uh, yeah, there will be like a 15 20 and 30 teams coming to join the competition so proper proper cricket what Uh no 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 whites not just like a freestyle right and yeah and how, no, whatever you do how how many over comps were they like they uh, at day time uh, in in 90s there was like around maximum was 16 hours okay but then it's come to 12 and 10 hours okay. later so it's it's around 10 hours now so when did you first so oh. we played like a t10 yep 20 years ago already <laughs> people the world is now catching uh, up catching up but we are have played t10 like a 20 years ago you should have copyrighted it <laughs> <laughs> you could have owned the whole of newport fuzz <laughs> so when did you first start playing with a cricket ball so with a cricket ball i was actually really good with the tap tennis and then um our actually our our club was really really good in the area in the whole district our cricket club was really good we have some really really good players natural talent and i feel really sorry for them because of lack of facilities and uh, we were from rural areas and i can i like uh, i can see that those guys would have played easily for pakistan or wow. anywhere in the world they were that good but, but they didn't have the opportunity no nothing you know like a uh, from from very like a lower class and struggling for you know like for life and those things and then you can't you can't play cricket you know at that time it was a little bit easier the things were going really good only one person was earning in the in the house and 
everything was okay but now it's completely different story you, everyone have to struggle and work and then you can survive so po- <coughs> poverty was a big part of life for yeah. the general community at that yeah, stage yeah general community so the, the the and then yeah um when i went to college then i start playing uh, with a cr- i remember the first time when i bowled with a cricket ball uh, i i realized it's too big and i couldn't bowl with it how old were you uh, 17 you'd never bowl with a cricket ball to your 17 no never and it was never a, touched it it was yeah. a, it was a bigger ball than the taped oh, up ball because it was old one and it was like a with the word it's got bigger oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. it was very old they he says that was kind of a thing even here as well they says if you're a spinner they will give you a really 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 old ball <laughs> go with it yeah so we never get a new ball so uh it's still the same thing Thanks to T20 cricket, you can walk <laughs> with a new one now. So, so j- j- just on that, so you, you go to college, you obviously did pretty well at, at school, uh, through yeah. high school. You must have done well academically at school. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was pretty good. And, uh, academically, I was pretty good. So And then you I went to study? Yeah, college, so we have different, like we, we follow the British school system, mm-hmm. so uh, high school and then the 11 and 12, we call it college. and then the graduation then uni okay so there's like a three four steps so when i went to college and then my brother says do you want to play cricket and i said well, why not so like a first six to 10 balls i couldn't pick the ball <laughs> and then uh, i realized just i remember and then i bowled a long ball i said i could pick the ball and then i did it and then from there you know when we when i got selected because i spun the ball and they were still on the concrete uh there was like a kind of a trials so they were picking guys from the college team it was just a college team no outsider were allowed and then from there the wickets were like a not that great you know on the college level i was spending miles and i took in the competition for the first time in the whole province we went to the grandfather in the history of our college and i took the most wickets and from there i thought oh i can play and then i played the divisional under 19 and then on the province level and from there just i never stopped and then i kept playing there was a massive gap between my first class cricket and that time and then i played a couple of first class matches and then then there was another gap and the year of when i was coming to australia i played the most of my first class games in pakistan and then where i bowled really well and worked hard and i performed really well Back to Fuzz in a moment. Next up on the Howie Games, one of Australia's truly great Olympians, Grant Hackett, a man who was never satisfied with anything but winning. Your Olympic record, mate, it's phenomenal. Three golds, three silvers and a bronze. And and I've heard you talk about your approach to winning before. The three silvers and the bronze, are you proud of those or were they missed opportunities? They're failures. Are they? Mm. Every silver medal in my cupboard's a failure. Wow. So I think uh that's a bit of a downer. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry to put the conversation well, you, like that. Your face just dropped when I mentioned it. I didn't Uh yeah, well that. it's funny. I um I look back on my career, I think over 12 years I lost to 1500 twice in that whole entire time at every major meet. And that's what I think about in my career. It's it's just difficult not to as a performer and a person who has high expectations of themselves. So I still hear those results and I'm disgusted by them to be honest because they should be a lot better but there's not much I can obviously do about them now but 
I still look back on them and I think, well, what could have I done better? How could I improved? I'm beyond them now, obviously. You, you live with them, you you move on. But I disgusted is a strong adjective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's it's suitable for how I feel towards it. That's Grant Hackett coming up on the Howie Games on Thursday, January 23. All right, back to fuzz. So you go through college and then uh, are you working when you're playing cricket or are you going on with further study when you finish college? No, I was, I was uh, kept studying. Kept studying. So, when I, so how are you, is that still, uh, do, you, do you get a, a grant to study financially or is this still making do from your father's pension? Or? Yeah, just, just my family was supporting me. So, so you, it wasn't a great deal of money floating no, around? No, it was pretty, pretty, pretty tough time uh, but I, Actually, the, the studies are not that, uh, education is not that expensive. What, were you, what were you studying? Uh, I studied uh, international relations. International relations. History and like political science and some like uh, the local subject as well, like in the, on the literature side, like Urdu is our national language. Yep. Uh, so those Islamic studies as well. And you went on and got a, a master's. And then I went on the master's, yeah. So when I fin- finished graduation, then I stopped studying for, uh, uh, I didn't went to uni at that year. And then I start because you were struggling. I went to private school to teach. So there is no requirements like uh, you have a, uh-huh. any teaching degree or something or education. If you are qualified, like a, if you are a graduate or you have a master degree, you can go on and just teach over there. So what were you teaching? Of just everything to kids. And so, so young kids? Young kids, yeah, primary school. So can you tell me... Um, if you don't mind me asking, what type of pay do you get as a as a primary school teacher back then? Uh, there was um, was pretty low at that time. I would say mm, around twenty five bucks a month. Twenty five bucks a month. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Twenty five bucks a month. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so tough. Very tough. Yeah. Uh, but I was. I was struggling, I was fighting myself, you know, I said, this is not what you are. You can't just stay here and teach kids, you know. I know I like it, but there was no career there. What there was, were you in your mind when you were struggling? What well, did you want I to be said, doing? I said, I can play cricket, you know, I have potential. <laughs> and then I didn't play for one year. And next year, I, 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 I think I teach for one and a half year. And then I have a massive fight at home and I said, okay, I'm not teaching anymore and I'm going to play cricket. And then... And how did that go at home? That's what was caused pretty, the argument? Yeah, that was pretty tough. But I said, I will try to support myself through any means. I'm who, gonna, who, who were you arguing with? With your mom or your brothers? Mom, mom right. and brothers to whole family. Then like, they, they say, like... We, we can't see anything, you know, coming out from the cricket. So why you just want to play? Just do something else. They says, if you want to study, study more, find another job, you know, whatever it is. But what are you going to get from cricket? Because they're not picking you. And that's, that's, that was the problem. I said they will. And <laughs> next year I played um, like a district competition and it happened like in the whole country at the same time. And I finished on the top. I took like a literally five wickets in every single game. <laughs> And from there, I got selected for the first class cricket. And there was like a little bit money in there as well. So so who, who was your first first class side? It's called Abbottabad. Abbottabad, yeah. Yeah, famous name. Yeah. Uh, 
And um, that region is called a region. So there are like a lot of districts. So there was 11 districts making one region. So huh. there's a lot, there was like a 12 region in whole country. And I was part of the one region that's called Everabad. And so you played uh, first class cricket for them. Was that a full-time job then? Or no, not, not full-time. Okay. Just like a contract base, just for two months. And how was the, the for that two months, how was the $25 a month you were getting as a teacher or what was the similar sort of wage you're getting to be a first-class cricketer then at that not, stage? Not much, but I, there is another cricket. It's called departmental cricket. Mm-hmm. So they had like a banks. They have their own team, uh, like a, I would say railway. They have their own team or customs. They have their own team or like a... NZ Bank or Commonwealth Bank. Such yeah, wonderful so, names for the teams when it's yeah, the customs team or the yeah, bank team or the yeah, railways or whatever. Yeah, so they said you play for NZ, you play for Commonwealth Bank, yeah. you know. So they like a Habib Bank there, there's a National Bank there, there's a State Bank there, they have their own team. So that competition is very strong. And I was my target was to go there and to play in that competition. And because that competition is strong, there is no no limitation. So they can pick you guys from Victoria, I would say like Peter Siddle and James Pattinson, they can pick two good batsmen, Steve Smith and David Warner from Sydney, uh-huh. and they will make one team. Okay. And it depends on them how much they're going to pay to them, how they're going to approach them. So it's like and the very first type of franchise cricket that we yeah, have now in, yeah. in T20 it's still, cricket. It still continues. They, I think they are changing now mm-hmm. because they are completely going to the Australian um, domestic structure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there was there, uh, like their cricket. And my aim was to play regional cricket, not good money over there. The match fee was 100 bucks. 100 bucks a game for a four day game? Four day game. Okay. And that, and like uh, there was at that time, uh, $5 um, uh, was like a, a daily allowance. Uh-huh. And that's it. Nothing right. else. Wow. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> five bucks a daily allowance for the meals and stuff. And and so you travel around to play. You'd have to go and stay in hotels or yeah, okay. hotels and everything. Same, same like here. Yeah, exactly the same. Yeah. Um, and then the n- next year I played for there was a departmental team, but we were playing three day cricket. That's called Grade Two. Uh-huh. So just below the first class cricket. So. They didn't pick me in the first class cricket. I still, uh, the next year, below first class cricket, uh, became the, the most wicket taker, but they picked someone else. They didn't pick me. They said, you didn't perform well because I played one game. I bowled four overs. Next game, I think I bowled 11 or 12 overs. That's it. I took four wickets in those two games, and they didn't pick me anymore. Wow. So that was the end. And then I played, yeah, a little bit lower cricket, and they were paying reasonably well. So, so there was like a, they were paying me um, 150 bucks per month. Per month. Yeah, per month. So 150 bucks at that time. So so how, when you when you didn't get selected in those first class sides, in your mind was this the beginning of the end of your cricket dream or no? No, I was I was kept playing. I was working hard. I said I'm I'm gonna I'm in in the system now. Everyone knows me. Someone gonna watch and someone gonna pick me. You know that's how good I am and how I'm performing well. You know, so they can have a look under my previous performances. Because so, it's funny you say that because that's long been the history 
of Pakistan cricket, hasn't it? All of a sudden, a guy turns up at a World Cup in the nets and Imran will have seen him yeah. or Wazim will have been yeah. at a game and all of a sudden they're playing for Pakistan. So yeah. I guess that opportunity is still there because the pathway is very different. Yeah, 100% is still there. So, is it? Yeah, it's still there and it happens, you know. Huh. The guy's coming from nowhere. Like I would say uh, the current opening batsman, Fakhar Zaman. Yeah. He's, he was like uh, in Pakistan Navy and he was just working there. And in playing, the Navy? Yeah, and he was just playing like a normal cricket and then suddenly he started performing well within within one year and he just became the part of the Pakistan team now. Wow. And he's he's a really, really good player. My word he is. Yeah, so like uh, those, those stories are still there. You will see a lot of talented guys, they're coming from nowhere and, and they will just come and play play for Pakistan. So... Yeah, I was I was just playing, and then there was another. I, I bowled really well in those tournaments, you know, below first class cricket, and then I got picked for Pakistan Customs cricket team. That was a first class, and that was my second chance to play first class, and I bowled really well that year. That was two thousand nine when I was coming to Australia, and then we have a lot of problems back home in the area, you know, like the the war on terrorism. You know, we got affected badly. The whole country. I would say since 9-11, but it it got worse when, you know, if you remember Benazir Bhutto? Yes, I do. When she got assassinated. assassinated. Yeah, and from, it was 2007. And that was the, the the country went really, really down like this. Perpendicular. Yeah. Well, there was riots me. and there was like a, just everything went bad. I think there was kind of a, I'm sorry to say it was kind of a curse on the country, you know, like she got, assassinated, you know, without any reason. And then since that, we were struggling as a country. Before that, we were pretty good. Mm. And since that time, it's just gone down and down and still keep going down and down. And there was a, there was a really bad time. The suicide bombing was on the top. You, you would have really, like, the country was growing nicely. It was beautiful. Uh, economy was growing, you know. And after 9-11, just, but till 2010, it was still good. And then it complete change. There was the, there was like a massive wave of terrorism in the country. And What's that the, like to live through when there's suicide bombings and terrorism? We're very lucky here that generally, not yeah. always now in the modern world, but yeah. generally we read that and it's on the yeah. other side of the world. It's obviously having greater effect everywhere now. What's it like to actually live in an environment like that for us? It's, it's pretty hard. It's just not where you live. Maybe you are in the safe corner of the country, but it depends how what kind of person you are. If you have a soft side and, and you know inside your body, and then you're thinking of um, like a, there's a bomb blast in the mosque or in the in the shopping mall, and there's like a hundred people killed. Oh. How I'm gonna take that? How I'm gonna go to sleep? How I'm gonna go next day to work? If you 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 watch like. And that was four or five years ago. The guy, the few guys went to the school in Peshawar, yep. remember? I do. They killed 152 kids. And they, like, if you blew them up, you know, with a, it's still no good. I'm not saying it's too good. But the thing, you going in, how you can raise, like, a point, a gun on a five or four-year-old or six-year-old and killing them? Like, where are you coming from? I don't know what you're fighting for. And, uh, Neither my family, neither my friends, family, no one I knew that was part of that incident, you know. But there were so many incidents like that, you know. But 
I literally cried on that day so much when I was I was here in Australia. But how in the world you can point a gun on the kid and you're killing them? And they burn the principal of the college in front of the kids. Mm. What about the, sur- the survivors? How are they going to live? How are they going to carry that burden on, on their head for the rest of their lives? You know, like if you have seen your mate got killed in front of your eyes, your principal got burned they in front of them. And it's just, even I haven't seen anything of them, but I just, like I felt so bad, you know, like, and then I want you to do something, you know, like, and then you are helpless. And I still want to do a lot. Like a people saying, oh, you live here, you live a good life here. But I said, I love both countries. I born there, my childhood there, my family still there, my relatives, my friends, everything belong to me. I'm still dreaming of Pakistan. I haven't started dreaming of Australia yet. Mm. So I'm still belong to that place. But I love, like, how, that's how you love your mom and dad. And that's how I'm love, I love Australia and Pakistan. But I still want to do uh, a lot of things here in Australia as well to give back to the country because people really loved me here. I got the opportunity, but I really want to help what I can do. I'm, a, I'm good at cricket, but I can coach someone. I can teach someone leg spin and like those things, you know, to give. I, I want to see someone that I can coach them and to play for Australia for long term <laughs> in, in test cricket. But I want to do something for Pakistan as well back there for, for the people of Pakistan. You know, if, I have, if I'm having the opportunity, maybe just to build a hospital or maybe just to build a cricket academy there. And free of course, you know, there is no cricket academy in my hometown and I can go there and can build a cricket academy there. Then the, the way I suffered over there, you know, uh, um, in my childhood and at my young age so everyone can have a better facility and they can fulfill their dreams so what what um what language do you dream in oh pretty interesting question yeah uh, i never realized about the the even even when i was coming we built a new house i never dream about even that house either my old childhood house I'm still dreaming about that home. Right. But what language do you dream in? Do you dream in English? I think, no, I think it's Pashto. So you'll dream in Pashto? That's my mother tongue. Okay. So we speak that, that's a, called Afghani language. Yep. So we're actually Afghan, yep. but we part of the Pakistan because in 1892, British government leased the, the, our state from Afghanistan. And then when Pakistan came into being, we became the part of so we on the bo, on the both side of the border we speak same language called Pashto it's Afghani language so the the trouble you're speaking about how did this start to impact you obviously it impacted you enormously because you ended up in Australia but Faz what what was the lead up what were you doing and what started to happen to you personally yeah it it was stopped as I said the the things were really uh, bad over there as I started working on the uh, the women education there was like a NGO non-government organization one yep. of my friend was running that and they were getting some aid from overseas to to educate especially the the older women the not older but the one they have never been to school and they are moms now they are at home they never went out to work or something so our plan was actually to educate them especially if you educate a mom that's a that's a preschool for kid and huh. if the mom is educated, that's, uh, that's the main thing. For Because 
when the kids going to school everyone starting school at around 5 5 year old or 4 year old you know and if you have if you have nothing learned at, in those 4 5 years then it's really hard to take a start and then where the downfall start after the kid you know so you behind then, already so you behind already so what so, was your what was your role within so that ngo just to help just to help and go around and to to build schools and to to give them aid and to to find teachers to to facilitate them to give them a little bit salary you know like a, there was no timing like in the afternoon or in the evening you know that it maybe only one hour or two hour but it's still good enough that they can learn you know so it's just a little bit to get educated even if they can watch tv they can understand if they can read something you know they didn't even know how to how to how to like a read a b c d mm-hmm. so some of like a, not some most of them like especially on the on the women's side it's really good now it's completely different but at that time we would have said like they couldn't even uh read anything you know they're still in the rural areas far rural areas in the mountains where um where is like a no such facilities uh, education is is no good there so it's really hard and the the girls are getting married pretty young like 18 20 year old 22 year old you know so or they they finishing school in primary school just just as like as a habit everyone going to school but they n- never attended to study there so, so it's just to look in but the yeah the the our um one of our um, like a team leader he got kidnapped as well to um he got threatened to uh stop working there to educate the women's so who, who he got kidnapped fuzz excuse my ignorance here but who is kidnapping him what what I t- don't know they they people say taliban i wouldn't call them taliban you know like there was no taliban at their time nothing like that but the, there was like a terrorist people they the terrorists they don't like to, people to get educated right if you are educated you know everything you ask questions but if you are ignorant whatever i tell you you believe me wow you know and this how it was in the whole world if you go anywhere yep. and it's the same thing if you say anything to young kids they will believe you because they don't know anything but as soon as they are growing and they are getting educated then they ask questions because they they're studying they're reading they're watching you know like those things so that's awareness and comes and then they're going to ask questions but so what, you, what what happened to the team leader and then uh he got released by the by the police and you know the rangers and those guys but there was more threats there was like a, you're getting phone calls and you're getting like a letters and stuffs you know and they just threaten you and they says oh wherever you are we're going to find you and this just the phone call make you like a really scared you know like so you were yeah. getting these phone calls everything everyone's was getting you know and they says oh if you do this same thing going to happen we're not we're not going to let you go anywhere and then so oh, what's going to happen then so that that happened on like a, on a very west um not just to those ngos like a, and a lot of other stuff as well and the people just got scared you know to work like those things you know and even if you are a volunteer i was a volunteer and i was playing cricket and i was volunteering i'm not i was wasn't getting anything from there and then i thought oh what's going to happen you know like i was good enough to because i was playing cricket i was playing cricket good cricket at that time and i was 
I have had a master degree and I can move around nicely, mm. you know, I, can, I could have hired anywhere, you know, I wanted to go away from the home then, you know, I decided this is the, and even I played really good cricket at that year, I took wickets as well, and then I thought I'm getting closer to play for Pakistan. And, you know, unfortunately, from the, from the other part of the country, no one wanted to come to play in our state. Like uh, people from Karachi and Lahore, they said, no, we're not going to play to play in Peshawar. That's the capital of the, our province. It's too dangerous. Yeah, too dangerous for a long time. So we hardly played home games. Even in our own country, we're playing away games. So like you don't play at the MCG, you're just playing away in New South Wales and, and WA in South Australia. So ha- ha- I asked you before... Um, easy questions to ask, not necessarily easy to answer, Fuzz. I asked you before about what it's like when you're living in a country that has suicide bombers or car bombs. What's it like when you're personally being threatened for your life? It's, it's really hard. Actually, The in early days, it was really hard because it was something new in the country as well. We were a very safe country, you know, like mm. till I would say 9-11, specifically, but I think that then 2005 after 2007, it's got worse. And around 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, that was the worst year. Those five, six years was the worst. It's got, it's getting really good now. It's been really, really good. But yeah, it was tough. It was really tough. People were not used to. Uh, And then I, I don't, I don't know. It's a human nature. Are we getting a habit or anything? But people then getting used to even when I came here I was still like uh, getting scared you know my family there my friends is uh, one of my friend got killed as well in the bomb blast as well and then uh, in the suicide bomb blast and there was like a terrible one of my friend got kidnapped he was a good cricketer he was a good first class cricketer he took I think more than 300 wickets and he was almost close to play for Pakistan he got kidnapped and got killed as well he got killed yeah got killed yeah and what, what was he seen to have been doing wrong? I don't know. No one knows. Just this is, that was pretty bad at that time. And, and, um, so he was murdered. He was murdered. Yeah. And no one knew until now. We don't know anything about it. And it's just disappeared. He was, he was such a good player. And, uh, yeah, the, the thing was really, really bad. Unfortunately, such a beautiful country. Howie, if you ever get a chance, you should visit, you know. It's 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 like a heaven on earth, you know. You will get to see there is like a ocean, there is like a desert, there is mountains, there's glacier, there's everything there in the jungles, you know. We got everything in that country, so many natural resources there, you know, like on, on every side. There's so much potential in that country, you know, on the people and... There's a lot of people there. There's a lot of like a natural resources. There's absolutely beautiful country, and there is, I know there is a lot of uh, geopolitical things around that because it's a very strategic place as well. Because we have on the border of Afghanistan, we have India, we have Kashmir problem. You know, for a long time we yeah. have Iran on the border, we have uh, we have China on the border, and then we have Soviet Union at that time, and now Russia there. You know, they were there. Everyone's got interest in Pakistan. They're just right in the middle. So there's a lot of other things as well because I have studied political science and international relations. So I can um, I can look 
to the things on the other side as well. I don't want to discuss political things here, mm. but there's a lot of things involved in that. It's just not the country itself. It's just not the people itself. There's a lot of other things are involved. We are lucky here in Australia. We don't have neighbors, but we have some some really really different and strange and strong and neighbors. You know, we have some serious issues there from the beginning when we got the independence there in Pakistan. So when you're talking about this beautiful, beautiful country that your family live in, that it's all you've ever known, how difficult a decision is it to say, I'm going to leave? Seriously hard. I wanted to play for Pakistan. I wanted to stay with my mom because my mom, she struggled really hard. Imagine living in a country where you can't, you can't work, you can't go out from the house. There was no support. I got two uncles, you know, my, my dad brothers, they were separate. They have their own family problems. There was no one to support. We were all young. I, I was one year old. And then she survived. And then you are at the top age to support her. And then you are leaving, you know. So What did you say to her? Well, stop. I said, she was happy for me as well. Because at the end, she's a mom. Yep. She, she wants whatever best for me. She wanted this, what she wanted, and she missing me a lot, you know. She she still miss me now. Um, Do you remember saying to her, I can't stay here any longer? Yeah, this is what I told her. Yeah, I have to leave, you know. Yeah, there's no there is no other way. And uh, Australia wasn't meant to be. Uh, I just, uh, luckily, I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm very grateful and thankful I'm in such a beautiful country. I belong to such two beautiful countries. I'm so grateful. So where were you? What, what was the plan? One of my friends, he used to play club cricket here and we were playing together in the same team back home in the in the regional cricket. And he said, I'm not going to Australia to play cricket. Do you want to go? I said, yes. <laughs> I want to go anywhere. I just want to go. And he said, okay. And then actually the club was in... Um, What's the town name in New South Wales? Griffith. Griffith? Yeah. So the <laughs> club was in Griffith and it's called the association called Ugali Cricket Association. Ugali. I remember. So you, you've got on a plane in Pakistan and yeah. you've flown to Sydney? Yeah. No, no. What happened? We got our visa very late. So we, I applied in September 2009. A visa to come here and play cricket? Yeah, to, to play cricket, just to, to get away. Go. I wanted to get away from the country. I asked people to go to England or to Dubai or to anywhere, you know. So, But I intended, there was like a, in the side of my head, I was thinking anywhere where I can play cricket, you know. <laughs> yeah, England, so Dubai, that would have worked. It's yeah, not cricket. just, you know, but you think, you know, like a, for your own favor, you know, you wanted to go to do something, but you said, oh, if I can do this as well, why not? Mm. You know, so would have been really good for me if I can play cricket, you know, somewhere, just not to play for the country or somewhere, just like on the side, because that's what I love, you know, and I played a really good, like a good first class cricket in Pakistan. That was a top, top quality cricket. And I said, okay, if I can play, you know, this, I'm still very young. I'm in twenties and I can, I can play anywhere, you know. That's the end of Farwood Ahmed part A. So you're on the other side with part B. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. 
Listener.